So welcome to the um, Blue Ridge Church of Christ. And uh, if you're visiting, my name is Phil, uh, Phil Bruns, and uh, my wife and I lead the church here, and uh, we're so excited to, uh, to do so. And uh, changing the order up a little bit today, if you didn't notice. We are, so we're, don't, don't worry, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, still get all the elements in. But, um, but uh, you know, we're excited today to uh, start uh, looking at the book of Colossians. And uh, so, so go ahead, if you have your Bible, turn over to, uh, or point and click over to uh, Colossians chapter 1. And uh, a little bit uh, about uh, Colossae, the, the city, the town, where is the church of people that Paul is writing a letter to, uh, thus the name Colossians. Uh, of course, that is uh, in the Roman province of, of Asia. It's a city that, has, it's kind of interesting, a couple of interesting tidbits of facts that don't have much to do with the lesson here, just to maybe a little bit of background. But it's still, it lays in ruins. It's there. It has never been like fully excavated like so many of the towns uh, in biblical times have been. It's been a, a little bit of surface uh, uh, research. But, but, you know, when they like dig their holes and like go through and, and like with their little paintbrush and knock dirt off rocks, you know, that has never actually been done here. In part because Colossae, before New Testament times, actually was a pretty large uh, city. When we read about it in the New Testament times, it was actually one of those, one of those towns because trade routes had gotten rerouted over you know, many centuries. Um, it was actually a dwindling town. It was actually a, a smaller, smaller town, less insignificant. Um, they were known for purple wool, though, of all things. Uh, it's, a, it's a town that uh, uh, they had some sheep there, uh, and they had a flower, a specific flower to that region that they could get purple dye from. And, um, and so if you wanted purple wool back in the day, you would go to Colossae. And so, um, so it's a little tidbit of, 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 this, of the city there. And uh, the church uh, was started in the New Testament by a, uh, a fellow named Epaphras, uh, which Paul writes about in Colossians chapter 1. But we also find uh, Epaphras uh, in the book of Philemon where he is actually in prison. And so, um, you know, he's one of those guys, you know, how we were talking about people that uh, kind of the un- unsung heroes of, of the New Testament you don't necessarily think of. He would have been one of those guys, I think, that uh, was very much putting his heart and his life out there uh, for Jesus. And, um, but at one point he was in Colossae and, and got the church uh, started there. Um, but, you know, it's not the beginning. When you think about the church in Colossae or even the beginning of the church here in uh, the Blue Ridge Church here in Charlottesville, they have a common bond of, of going back to the beginnings of actually when, when, uh, of, of the prophecy of Jesus. And uh, for Colossae, you know, there's always been, we look at the, start looking at this book, that God always had a plan for the church there. God always had a plan uh, for, for, for the disciples, the brothers and sisters for that church. Uh, just like he's always had a plan for us. You know, it's a, it's a messy plan that allows for a whole lot of free will, but is a plan of hope and of salvation from our sins. And at the center of that plan is Jesus. And so I want to go back to the beginning before we get into Colossians. Uh, just to reference a couple of scriptures. And when you think about the beginning, you, think, you might think of, oh, okay, back when, when Jesus was born or back when, when uh, uh, you know, at the beginning of the New Testament. But I think even back before that, like the very, very uh, beginning. You know, in Genesis chapter 3, 
Uh, Adam and Eve, you probably know the story, uh, had, had eaten of the fruit of the tree that God had for, forbidden him to, to do so. And, uh, and they had followed the temptation of the serpent. And so the Lord God says to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That's in Genesis uh, chapter 3. And, uh, you know, there's some that say that this is like the very first uh, messianic prophecy. The very first prophecy, it says that Jesus is coming, that something is going to come and it's going to crush, uh, crush Satan. Others disagree with that, but either way, what thing you look at is that what, who's not in charge is the serpent. Who's not in charge is Satan. Who is in charge very much so is the Lord God Almighty. That's who's in charge here. And maybe a, a, a reference that's more clear to, uh, to Jesus is in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, when Moses is speaking for one of the last times uh, to the Israelites. And he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at, uh, at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see his great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I commanded him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my word that the prophet speaks in my name. And again, that was in Deuteronomy 18. See, God has always, always had a plan. And includes listening to the words of this coming prophet that would be Jesus. It includes listening, but then it includes not just listening to them, but hearing them. Hearing those words of Jesus. And it includes implementing those words of Jesus. But it also includes us being here today to worship God. It includes us being brothers and sisters today, worshiping our Lord. You know, in in, uh, New Testament times, it also included this man, Paul, who had come along and lived a life that that was actually against Jesus, against God, and against God's will, even though he thought the whole time he was doing God's will. But a man that would radically change his life and write a number of the books in the New Testament, including this one here in Colossians. So I think it's important to kind of step back sometimes when we look at these churches like the church uh, in, uh, in Philippi that we looked at most recently, the church in Colossae. And the same thing with our church here. That at the beginning, wasn't the day somebody set foot and said in Charlottesville and said, I'm going to make the Charlottesville, you know, the Blue Ridge Church of Christ. That wasn't the beginning. The beginning and the big picture goes back to God's plan and the big picture of when Jesus was first talked about coming to this earth. Um, so in Colossians chapter 1, let's go ahead and start reading there in verse 1. It says, uh, Paul, 
an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother, to God's holy family, holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring up from the hope stored, stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that, gives this, that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience." and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul writes this letter, and um, he writes this letter, and, uh, uh, and the, first, uh, the first point here today is that um, the will of God reigns. And we see from the very, very beginning the will of God. And from the prophecy in Genesis, the prophecy we just read in Deuteronomy, leads to Jesus being here, and the will of God continues. And Paul even writes because it is a, uh, uh, he is there because of the will of God. And so it continues to spread and, uh, and, it's, and it's just a great, I love Colossians. I mean, he starts out here essentially just how encouraged he is. And we see that a lot in Paul, right? Of how encouraged he is because of the church. When he thinks of these people, like, oh, I'm just so encouraged by you guys. Your faith and your true gospel of Jesus. You know, he says, and it is spreading around the world just like you first heard it. And they didn't even have Facebook. Right? I mean, they didn't have the social media. They couldn't text a friend of, hey, guess how it's going here? Oh, wow, it's awesome. They did it by word of mouth, by people walking on their sandals, riding on their, their camels or whatever they did, you know, to go back and forth. But it was been an amazing time compared to now when they think about the, the, the gospel spreading and, the, and the, this good news spreading. And it was such a great, uh, great uh, news of, of great faith and love that the church in Colossae had. He says the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world, in part because of them. And he says your love in God's spirit is just totally amazing. I mean, what a great place. Like, I want to go, right? You want to hang with these people. I mean, because it is going, going so well for them. But what can happen? When things are going well, what can happen 
when everything, you know, when, when gosh, everything's just going so well and, and uh, uh, you, start to, you can start to lose the hunger a little bit, right? Like you can imagine a, a deer out longing for water, the one that Rob uh, Jeffers wants to kill. He's longing for water. <laughs> He's longing for water. And once he gets, actually, a, a she, right? You want to you do. The deer longs for water, comes up to the stream, and, and <sighs> it's been walking all day without water. It finds the stream. It gets a whole lot, you know, it has a really nice drink of water and is satisfied. And then what? Rob, she's <laughs> If Rob is to the right, that deer goes to the left. But, right, you know what I'm saying. The deer is not hungry for water anymore. Right? It's like that for us. You know, we see that in sports teams sometimes where, you know, a team gets a, gets, a, gets a big victory or something, but then the next year when those two teams play, that team is not as hungry as it used to be. Right? right? And now this team has, has maybe a little bit motivation factor because, because they're just a little bit hungrier. Went really well for this team, Team A, Team B is down here. And they're just a little bit hungrier. But that can happen spiritually too. Right when things are going well, and 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 uh, sometimes, and I think it's human nature. We sometimes just kind of take it for granted. And so I think that's what's happening uh, here. That Paul starts to write. We'll we'll um, read again. But uh, but yeah, while it's going well, you know, you can maybe start stop stop uh, stop wanting it as much. You kind of get settled in and satisfied with your knowledge and satisfied with 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 where you're at with your friends. And you stop pursuing, you can stop pursuing that deeper relationship with God and, and sometimes just end up kind of going through the motions. Is anybody else like beside me? Sometimes I find that's it, sometimes where we get. And so I think I'm going to read it again in verse 9. You know, Paul starts out, like I said, with, with you guys are awesome. It is just amazing. But in verse 9, I think it's worthy of some self-reflection for ourselves, which hopefully every time we look at God's word is worth self-reflection. But here, it's just worth self-reflection of what Paul is saying here. And um, I'll start reading in verse, uh, verse 9 again. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may uh, have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I love what Paul writes here. It's like we never have stopped praying for you. And what's interesting is, is of all the great things he says in the first paragraph there, He's not just thanking God for them. Like, oh, God, thank you so much for the church in Colossae. That might certainly be a part of what he's praying, right? But he has a whole list of things that he's specifically praying for. It's not just that, God, thank you so much for the encouragement that I receive 
from the church in Colossae. Thank you so much for this encouragement. Because his prayer is not for himself. He's actually praying for them. He's actually thinking about them. And it says that he, uh, he says, um, in verse 9, he says, We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will. We continually ask God to fill them with knowledge of God's will. You know, it's kind of like filling a pitcher of water. You know, I, if you're like me, we, we always have live trees or have had live trees in, in our Christmas trees in our house. And, and so we have one now. So it's a daily routine for me to go to the sink and fill my pitcher of water. And I'm sure everybody has probably filled at least a cup or a pitcher of water at one time in your life. And when you go to the sink, it's just not all of a sudden filled, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It starts with a little drop and then a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, running until you got your pitcher filled. And then I go and I fill the Christmas tree little stand of water. But filling a pitcher of water, it's a gradual thing. It, it, it keeps building, building, building up. But eventually that pitcher gets full, doesn't it? Yeah. And you get enough water for what you need. But that's where the difference is. The pitcher gets full, but being filled with, uh, with knowledge of the will of God, I don't think we ever get full. And that's why Paul continuously prays for them. That's never something we ever actually achieve, but it's something that we grow in and grow in our faith in and understanding in. And so I think that's what Paul is, is saying. I continually to ask God to fill you with knowledge of God's will. I think it stands for reason that that prayer is, is for us as well. Right, we've never gotten to the point where we've achieved full knowledge of God's will. Some of us maybe are brighter than others, but I don't think that we'll ever say that, gosh, we are, we are full of God's knowledge or God's will at this point. We will never say that. So it's a continual building process. And, uh, you know, the, the will of God is, is, is such a good thing. And that's why it reigns. The, the will of God reigns. But if we're not growing in our knowledge of it, it will cause us to stumble. If we're not growing and desiring knowledge of God's will, we're not going to find it. And what happens is, is that we, we get hurt or other people get hurt and, and, you know, things not so great happen. And so that's why, gosh, I, guys, the church in Colossae, I'm just praying for you. I'm for, praying for you guys to grow in your knowledge of God's will so that you can live a life pleasing to God. Yeah. Well, what does that look like, Paul? Well, he's got that covered. Yeah. You know, he talks about one, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good thing. That's a wide range of of things. But if we're growing in our knowledge of the will of God, we're going to be living fruitful lives. And it's going to show up in our children. It's going to show up on our day jobs. It's going to show up in our school work. It's going to show up in our characters. It's going to to show up in our neighborhood as we go around and and be a light to the community of, of Harrisonburg and Charlottesville and the surrounding areas. But we will bear fruit in every good work. Number two is just growing in the knowledge of God. 
To grow, knowing, uh, growing in, in, to grow in, in the knowledge of God's will is to grow in, in the knowledge of God. We will just get to know God better. And again, in a moment of, of self-reflection here, is, is like, gosh, how, how I mean, you made me think about this, you know, as I was thinking through some of these things this week of, you know, how has it been the last six months or a year ago or even back when, when I was first baptized? Am I as zealous now, now as I was then or even more so? Am I growing in these things? Am I, am I moving forward in these things? Number three, Paul says, you know, being strengthened. So that you can grow in endurance and patience. Why those two things? I wonder. Endurance and patience. Well, we know that's life in general. You need, it's, it's a marathon, right? But especially our Christianity, right? Our faith. It gets tested a lot. And there are hard days here and there. We have the good ones too, but there we get tested. And it takes endurance. And it takes patience. Those two things I, I've often said before. I wish sometime somewhere in the Bible, like they just would have emphasized, no, 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 you really need patience. No, you really, you know, just extra emphasis, you really do need endurance here. Just know that it's coming. <laughs> I wish they would, it would have emphasized that. But Paul says, hey, that if we're growing... I'm praying for you guys to continue to grow in the knowledge of his will because his will reigns and so that you can be strengthened so that you can grow in endurance and patience. Because I know your, your, your Christian life, your discipleship, it is a marathon. And you need endurance and you need patience. And finally, he says, so that you can experience the joy and give thanks. What a great thing. Like, who doesn't want that, Right? Everybody wants joy and give thanks. He gives, and then he gives the why. Why should we do that? Why is he praying for that? Well, it's because Jesus rescued us from the dominion of darkness. The forgiveness of sins through Jesus. You know, if you're a disciple here today, you remember that? When you first understood that, do you remember that time that you understood of Jesus, what Jesus did for you? Like, oh, of course, we live a life in, in gratitude because we were rescued from that dominion of darkness. And so, so Paul prays this, 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 continually prays this. For the church in Colossae, that they can continue to grow, because even though things are going may be going really well, we know it can happen if we're not moving forward, if we're not growing in these things, then we can easily get into a status quo. Absolutely, a status quo. I am so encouraged. I really was tremendously encouraged uh, this week. Of uh, you know, there's a lot of prayers that have been answered here in the church, right? Uh, there, there's a lot of them. I'm sure we could each share something that has has been been um, that has been answered. Uh, but one of the sisters uh, here, uh, Denise Green. Yes. Denise has been been a faithful disciple for some time. Uh, she's she's just an amazing, amazing sister. 
She also has a daughter. Her daughter was baptized this last week. Denise has been praying for her daughter to seek God, to become a disciple for years. It has gone on for a long, long time. And finally, her 26-year-old daughter made the decision this week to become a Christian. Amen. Denise said, you know, her her comment was, you know, for, for, she said to parents, but really it's for all of us. You know, to have faith that God answers prayers. You know, when Paul is praying for the church in Colossae, he's not just giving it lip service. He knows that God is going to answer those prayers. And for Denise, you know, she found for herself it was just to, to kind of get herself out of the way so that God could do his work with her daughter. Laya Isabel? Laya Isabel is her name, daughter's name. She could get out of, her, out of the way to let the Spirit work between her daughter and God. But God does answer prayers. And I think when Paul is writing here, he's, he's assuming that, yes, I'm praying for you with the expectation that God is going to answer those prayers. But it's not only God's will that reigns. It's point number two, the Son of God reigns. You see, in Colossae, there was starting to be some other teachings that Jesus wasn't so much all that. That he wasn't uh, the guy that, that, that they were portrayed and wasn't uh, the, the, um, uh, the, uh, that we weren't sufficient in Jesus. And people were undermining the gospel of Jesus a bit. And so Paul launches in in verse 15, into this in reasoning of, uh, hey, that the Son of God reigns. I'll start reading in verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I'd like to revert your memory back to those passages in the Old Testament that I read of the prophecy of Jesus. In verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in him, or I'm sorry, in everything, he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Paul is just plainly stating here is that Jesus is the God. All things were, uh, he is before all things, and in him all things uh, hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. So he is reminding this church of Jesus is the guy. You know, in these new teachings of, of you know, kind of maybe more plain uh, talk of, you know, a new teaching, like if you're learning how to bake, and somebody said, oh, no, you don't need flour. You know, do it without flour. 
you would say, oh, okay, great. I'm just a new baker, so I'll try it without flour. Or how about, you know, if somebody's teaching you about the shipping industry and deliveries and, and everything and how hard it gets around the holidays, and they're teaching, well, you know what? You don't really need the semi-trucks on the road. They kind of just get in your way anyhow. And so, you know, and if you don't know a lot about the shipping industry, then you might say, oh, okay, okay. Well, it's the same way spiritually. If these people in Colossae were not moving forward and growing, continuing to grow in their faith, all of a sudden a new teaching might start to make sense. And it's the same for us today. If we are not growing in our faith, if we are not growing in in, in our love for God and understanding of who Jesus is and the will of God, well, then all of a sudden some other things can start to make a little sense and we cannot see the will of God clearly. And that's why Paul had talked about about that. And my goodness, I could do, you know, all of us could talk so much about that paragraph we just read. So the challenge for us is to continue to grow. Continue to grow just like the church in Colossae needed to. And I'd like to highlight there at the end of what I, I just read is that God was pleased to reconcile you and me to him through the blood of Jesus. Did you catch that? That God was pleased in verse 19 to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself to all things. All things, including you and me. I hope that encourages you this morning. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is James Lim, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or join us at Burnley Moran Elementary School at 1030 a.m. Sundays in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.